Welcome to the Turd Nerds. We are the functional gastroenterology podcast discussing all things poop. Before we take the plunge into today's episode, let us tell you a bit about ourselves. I'm Dr. Rebecca Sand, a naturopathic physician and acupuncturist, and I specialize in all things gastroenterology, hormones, and fertility. I'm Dr. Ami Kapadia, and I'm a medical doctor trained in family medicine and functional medicine with a special interest in gastrointestinal health, food and environmental allergies, and autoimmune disease. And I'm Dr. Alana Gurvich, a naturopathic physician and acupuncturist who is board certified in naturopathic gastroenterology. I specialize in inflammatory bowel disease, IBS, and other functional digestive disorders. Let's jump into today's episode. The following discussion is for educational purposes only and not intended to diagnose or treat any diseases or conditions. Please consult your doctor before incorporating any of this information into your care. The information presented on this podcast is not medical advice. All right, everyone. So we have another fascinating topic today that we have all kinds of questions about. Dr. Sand is going to lead us in a discussion on endometriosis. You ready, Dr. Sand? Yeah, I'm so ready. I have so much information to share with everyone today about this. This is a condition that I care a whole lot about uh, because it affects quite a few people. One in 10 people with a uterus, actually. That's a lot more than I would have thought. A lot more, yeah. And um, reasonable because a lot of people don't get diagnosed. Because diagnosis is Is nearly impossible, right? (laughs) Without doing surgical exploration. We have some options Okay. Um, Wait, wait. So my, my first question is, why are we talking about the uterus? Great We're a GI question. podcast. There's no connection, right? None. None. We're just completely changing. We're we have to break down. I mean, we can only talk about one <laughs> organ system. No, 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 no. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a lot about endometriosis and things we need to know about managing this condition for folks. Uh, but spoiler: before I get ahead of myself too much, this has a lot to do with the microbiome. What? One of my favorite topics. Um, so just a couple key tidbits here, um, so I don't lose the audience. The microbiome actually influences endometriosis pathogenesis. Um, That's why we care. So via inflammation, dysregulation of the immune system. In turn, though, endometriosis can make the environment of your gut less favorable to good bacteria, more favorable to bad bacteria, um, and that's via immune modulation as well. So maybe I, can I just start with like a case? Sure. Okay, so I had a patient, very, very complicated patient. She had a lot of really, really chronic GI stuff. And we treated her GI, and we treated her GI, and we treated her GI, and we treated And she was patient. We yeah. kept going. After about two, three years of just treating her GI, she went and she got an endo yeah. diagnosis. Yeah. And she actually had a, had endosurgery. And her in, there was so much endometriosis that was adhesing yeah. her intestine totally. to her intestine and her uterus. Yep. And I kept on being like, it's GI, it's GI nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't. I had a very similar patient case. And yes, it took two to three years. The patient themselves referred referred themselves to, because I didn't think of it. And now we forget about it. Right. Because it seems like it's GI, but it's not always. And she had the same sort of workup evaluation surgical intervention and that did it did significantly help more than it's not just the adhesions it actually the endometriosis inflammatory cytokines actually affect leaky gut and motility themselves so for a couple reasons this is probably going to affect the guts of people with endo and they get bloated they get pelvic pain they get bowel pain they get blood in their bowel movements like all stuff that we would think like wow that's a gut issue and it i is. for some reason thought it would be more cyclical if it was related to the yeah. endometriosis but i don't think that it always is, is. it cyclical 
the symptoms are all over the place. So we'll yeah. go through that here in a second. Um, okay, so what is endometriosis? Uh, ooh, I'm going to try. Okay. I think that endometriosis is when you have endometrial tissue someplace besides the uterus. That's exactly Is that it? Ka-ching! Exactly. So the, the fancy cool. words are an ectopic occurrence of endometrial tissue. That's all it is. And adenomyosis, which is related, is when yep. it's in the actual wall, yeah. correct? Yep. Wait, 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 wait. So you can have endometriosis and adenomyosis. I always thought adenomyosis was a fibroid. Well, so it's the tissue. No. It's the tissue layer you're the talking location. about. The location. So endometrial tissue traveling to other areas is endometriosis, but you can have different tissue layers affected. So of the uterus. from what I remember, adenomyosis, I think, was specific to is specific to a particular location inside the muscular wall. Correct. And endometriosis is kind of, I don't think it's both. I think it's like oh, I see, I see, either I see. or depending on the location of the endometrial tissue. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Let's dive into some stats here. So prevalence, we already talked about one in 10 reproductive age, biological females. That's insane. Yep. Also, I just want to say, I do view you as the stat queen, if we're going to be honest. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> I'm working. Uh, okay. So it's underdiagnosed due to asymptomatic individuals. So those exist. Okay. Um, comorbidities clouding the full diagnosis. So let's think of a few Crohn's, mm-hmm. IBS, IBS, urogenital dis- disorders, PCOS. Um, painful periods. We just write them off. Primary take some birth control. Yeah. yeah. Um, we could, we could talk about that all day. So peak prevalence of endometriosis occurs ages 25 to 35. Um, but it can exist in, um, females who haven't had their first period yet. Do we think it's that age mainly because that's when women are in their reproductive years? And so they're actually looking? Right, because it's estrogen. Yeah. Estrogen dominance, and we'll talk a little bit about what that actually means. Estrogen fuels endometrial growth. Yeah. And actually, kind of spoiler alert for some other things, you need a serum estrogen above 50 to spur growth. Oh, of so endometrial tissue. one target of treatment is actually bringing serum estrogen levels down below 50. And you're talking about estradiol levels. Correct. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, so other things that can cause this or make it worse, folks with, uh, pelvic inflammatory disease history are three times more likely to get endometriosis. So think about about pathogenesis there, like what's going on. Can I ask a quick question? Yeah. So would this be our standard estradiol level check on day three that we, that was my question too. Yeah. If Um, they have regular cycles. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's my understanding. That would be a great sort of puzzle piece to help with the diagnosis, since it's so hard to diagnose, you know, yeah. if it was above 50. Yeah. Um, other things, C-section scars and previous DNCs. Oh, so, so anytime you're in there messing up with the uterus, you're likely to transplant some endo- endometrial tissue where it's not supposed to be. Potentially transplant, potentially like adjust the environment to favor endometrial growth. Um, but yeah, those are things, um, scarring. I think there's also an argument for inflammation and microbial. And we give antibiotics. We get a, we give a ton of antibiotics for PID. Yep. We give antibiotics usually if there's a C-section. But again, a spoiler here, antibiotics may be an actually good treatment for endometriosis. Oh, that is a spoiler because that one I didn't see coming. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to be selective about which ones. So, um, okay, workup. Let's talk about this. We have mentioned it's difficult. So, um, actually, what's preferred now is a presumptive clinical diagnosis. Oh. Um, and that's not gold standard. That's not an actual diagnosis. But this is preferred for patients without endometriomas on ultrasound. So, if you happen to see an endometrioma, which will generally come back as a complex hemorrhagic or chocolate cyst, that's coagulated blood. 
Okay, how often do we see them? Do you have any idea? Like, out of all of the pelvic ultrasounds that we do, are they, like, five? we find them well, 5%? Well, I don't know that I can answer that because I'm sending people to... Right, pretest probability yeah, is high. Yeah, like, for, you know, to a radiologist who kind of specializes yeah, yeah, in yeah. female anatomy to see. So I, I do get them back. So you're getting a transvaginal ultrasound. Yep. And, and an, an abdominal, abdominal ultrasound. Uh, no, I'm just doing transvaginal because it's it's for like dysmenorrhea or, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. menorrhagia, things like that. Okay. I will say when I talk to said specialized female radiologist yeah. who I love, uh, I, I think her stock treat her stock, stock imaging for any pelvic issues is always both. Yeah. A transvaginal and an abdominal. Yeah. That's her preference. I would say a lot of them come into me. With like with they had it. it done at Epic, and when when that radiologist that we're all talking about here, she'll say suggestive of endometriosis yeah, 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 yeah. or something like that. But these come in saying it's just a complex cyst. There's nothing the to usual worry reading, about. I think. So which would be one more reason to send it to our exactly particular yeah, radiologist. But that should be if you see uh, an ultrasound with that kind of labeling, you should be suspicious. Can of you say that one more time? Chocolate cyst or chocolate ed- complex or hemorrhagic okay. cyst. Also, take home. Find a female specialized radiologist yeah. where you live because is they're that not common? the same. I mean, I, I think that I, I feel my like guess Portland is, yes. is the first t- place that I've heard oh, of this type of. No, business. my uh, my cousin happens okay. to be a breast radiologist. <laughs> oh right, right. Yeah, For yeah. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, there's radiologists that do mostly mammography, and, and there's radiologists right. that do mainly women's health. Right. It's really just like what their eyes are trained to see. Yeah. Right. You know, what they're looking at day in and day out. Yeah. Someone who's looking at every bit of anatomy may not read it the same. Yeah. So. And some are willing to to give us more clinical exactly. help than others. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason this is preferred is because if the patient is like low on the symptom scale, um, we pretty much just start people on hormonal contraceptives or progestins, you know, so you're not going to need a big surgery for that. If they're more severe, that's when you're going to do an MRI or laparoscopy. What's And then again, MRIs might find it, but they also might miss it. Definitely. They're going to get deeper than an ultrasound. So other tissues um, like the abdomen, peritoneal cavity, things like that. Um, But you can't treat with an MRI. Laparoscopy, the benefit is you can go in and excise lesions. Okay. So. And are you going to get into symptoms? Um, sure. Yeah. They're all over the place, like I said, but things that I see commonly, I'll talk about in a second. So common pelvic sites. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Where, where we tend to see these. So ovary and ovarian fossa is 67 and 32% respectively. Wait, ovarian fossa and yeah, what? And the ovary. Okay. So okay. it's it's often on the ovary. 67% uh-huh. of endometriosis is on the ovary. Both ovaries are involved in one third of cases. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, so fertil- potential fer- fertility issues. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Not only because of, again, the pulling, but compromised ovarian function, yeah. um, but also it releases a lot of inflammatory cytokines Oh yeah. that are going to inhibit the egg actually reaching the tubes. Oh, wow. scarring Which is the why tubes. these women have a much harder time exactly. getting pregnant. Many reasons, but yes. Yep. And their hormones are thrown off. Um, so we got all the ligaments, posterior broad ligaments, uterus sacral ligaments, mm. um, that rectovaginal pouch that pouch that we call the pouch of Douglas named after some dude, old white dude, I'm <laughs> sure. Um, bladder is 21%. Oh, um, things that are relevant for our audience. Um, sigmoid colon and appendix are pretty big, but we At, also outside see... or inside inside the sigmoid colon inside the appendix. I mean, outside probably first, Yeah, but there are cases of it causing bleeding, mm. you know, so yeah. It's going somewhere. Um, and then it can be found on past surgical sites and in the thoracic cavity. So lungs, diaphragm, spleen, gallbladder, liver, pancreas. I like went to school with a anywhere. woman who had endometriosis in her lungs. Yeah. And she would cough blood oh during her cycle. Totally. Wow. In the brain. Yeah. Oh, wow. Nose, I've seen nosebleeds around Whoa. a period. 
Yeah. Okay. Weird. It's I, I describe it to my patients as like a weird alien tissue that is just traveling. I'm sure that really brings them comfort. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it is weird and we need to learn what the alien is going to respond to. That's kind of the basis of treatment. So symptoms. Okay. Again. And then I also am curious if there has been research on regression that you've looked into. Just did a quick Google search so uh -huh. we could get to that in the next episode. <laughs> nice. But um, in our world, of course, I'm always wondering, like, what, what else can we do? Yeah. But anyway, I'm jumping, ahead. I'm jumping ahead. I'm, what do you mean? I'm way what's, jumping what's ahead regression? of myself. Regression of endometriosis, like without surgically removing oh, oh, it. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. There's a lot. So the basis, we're kind of jumping ahead of ourselves here, but the basis of treatment is to stop feeding the growth. <laughs> okay, which is estrogen. In part. Estrogen feeds endometrial tissue. So I, that's sort of the like most fundamental basis of it. And that's why giving people birth control pills, convincing their body they're quasi-pregnant, suppresses growth. Even though there's some low-dose estrogen Correct. in there. Correct. Yeah, because they're not going to be doing the, the monthly cycles. Yeah, yeah, so you've cut back, cut way back on estrogen. Yeah. I mean, there's a, a couple animal studies came up. We'll get to it when we get to it. But I'm curious yeah. about other avenues as well. Yes, including the microbiome. Right. <laughs> You know, it's kind of like what Hippocrates said. It all starts in the gut. Yeah. <laughs> We've said it before. Yeah. We've this said is it our before. motto at the Turdners. Okay. So symptoms, period pain, um, often worse and longer duration than your average person. Yeah. Um, uh, rectal bleeding and pain, constipation, diarrhea with menses, bowel cramping, like it's swollen, it's angry. Mm. Basically, it can look like IBS, it sounds totally. like. Yeah. Or Especially, IBD. Right. Like, with blood. You know, quote, period poops. Yeah. A lot of people come yeah. and talk about that. I mean, everybody. Yeah. They often yeah. say they have more constipation or diarrhea mm -hmm. around yeah. their cycle. Yep. Which is also common for other reasons, right? right? Like and there also is the astrobolone. Like, yep. we should totally. not forget about the astrobolone. <laughs> yes, right. and the position of the uterus. If yeah. the uterus, you know, gets about yeah, double yeah. in size and is leaning against your colon, you might get backed up. Yeah. So, yep. um, the amount of endometriosis you have does not correlate with the amount of pain. Oh, yeah. So, keep that in mind. That severity, there's no yeah. link there. Um, so, some stuff that I see, um, my endometriosis patients, a lot of them, NSAIDs don't work. Like, I've had people who need opioids. Yeah, because they're not strong enough. Yeah, yep, period yep, yep. pain. Um, bloating, abdominal guarding. So on physical exam, I feel like a lot of tension. It's sort of like a unique While they're on their periods or just in general? All the time. Because I'm doing my and visceral on right. folks. And they're, especially their lower abdomen is, like, incredibly tight. Yeah. Um, so that's something I look for. Um, I also see it around the umbilicus. And you can get endo on your ileocecal valve, which just is a huge problem. <laughs> Oh, for man. so many yeah. reasons. Um, so those are the symptoms I mainly see. I wonder, you know, because I'm just the ileocecal valve, you know, the, most Crohn's disease, 85% of Crohn's disease is located right above in the terminal ileum. Yeah. I'm just wondering what the overlay is. I don't know. Well, also an appendectomy. Yeah. Because like, yeah, I mean, there's like a huge and, overlay. Yeah. Which is why we're talking about What percentage about of Crohn's is in the terminal 85% patient, percent of Crohn's patients have disease in their terminal ileum. That's a good ileum. stat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, a lot going on there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what do you think are the causes, um, the causes of getting endometriosis and the causes of endometriosis spreading? So definitely being a born female. Yeah. <laughs> having a uterus. <laughs> having For a whatever uterus. reason, having, having more estrogen than would be ideal. Yeah. Uh, uh, whether that's external Prolonged estrogen sources. exposure to estrogen. Yeah. So early menses, late menopause. And I wonder oh. about the hormone mimickers, if that contributes like at all. Like the xenoestrogens? Xenoestrogens. Aren't helping anybody. Yeah. How, is there any Plastic. data on that? You know, I'm not sure. Yeah. I imagine there yeah. is, but... So everyone should bring glass 
um, containers like me to put their leftovers in from restaurants. I will say I definitely have a fear of plastics and non-filter water, but I do think you take it to the next level. (laughs) It's almost impressive to me. Like you have to have an organizational sense to be that prepared. You could just keep it in your car, like an extra glass container. It's impressive. It's impressive. I think I'm going to say that's a good way to, (laughs) but brilliant. I wish I could do it. My, my, uh, I remember my brother's wife was like, I cannot live like you. She was overwhelmed when I told her about deodorant she's like how can you live like this yes 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 you'll probably outlive us all I I do have concerns that my daughter is 10 and she has literally like virtually never been exposed to plastic anything I'm like she might never go through puberty (laughs) if there's no amazing okay so uh main cause that we think are the the thing that has been dominating our, our thoughts here is retrograde flow of menses what does that mean? Retrograde yeah. flow. Of so menses. that's basically when your your the the blood and the tissue in our period actually goes back up. So it's supposed to flow out, but it can go back up because you're tubes. standing on your head. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. It's just so I, I do have stats on this. So ninety percent of women experience this, oh, um, which also means we can't fully explain endometriosis because if ninety percent of menstruating bodies do this, yeah, it's uh, not. And ten percent of women exactly, have endo. Yeah. Exactly. So um, ba- basically, it'll flow back into the peritoneal cavity. Wow. But it is a way it can seed, right? Hmm. So um, in 10% of, of women, the immune cells are unable to clear all the endometrial cells. So they will go back. Our immune system will identify it as foreign, take care of it. 10% of folks, that's not the case, huh. which will then adhere and pro- pro- proliferate into lesions. So I do wonder about the whole autophagy. Is that the right way to say that word? Yeah. Program okay. cell death. Yes. I wonder, we talk about that with sort of like the whole Dr. Bredesen, Alzheimer's prevention, how you want to fast overnight yeah. and have three, you know, three hours before bedtime without eating just to help with some of those cycles. And I wonder about that as being just a little yeah. piece of Yeah, I mean, why not? Puzzle. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Has endometriosis diagnosis increased in the last two decades? I'm sure. Because we're better at diagnosing or because we have more toxicity? Because that's where oh. the autophagy comes in. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I mean, both. Yeah. Both. Okay. Yeah. And then other, you were saying other causes you did. Me- so yeah, I have surgi- a whole list here. We're on one of seven. So surgical interventions for you were saying, cause potential causes of seeding. Yeah. And we like, have to wh- differentiate between the causes of onset and the cause of proliferation. Okay. okay. What are we doing different. now? What are we doing now? Both. Okay. So retro flow, re- uh, yep. retro genetic is another one. So okay. they estimate 51% are due to genetics. Wow. Family history makes you seven times more likely. Wow. So that is no joke. Ask family history. Environmental is another one. Like we talked about the big ones that we have links for are heavy metal toxicity, PCBs, and there's dioxins. actually data on that. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say that as a joke because as but a naturopath, I piece. believe that everything is linked to parasites, protozoa, heavy metal toxicity, and more. I'm so. wondering what I'm wondering about the heavy metal toxicity data. Yeah. If you have info on that, I I don't have it okay. in front of me we right can now, follow up. and I don't know that it's a direct link okay. or the estrogen, you know, disruptor thing. Yep. Be curious. We um, yeah. can look into it. It's more. a really good question. Yeah. So estrogen dominance is another one. Endometrial tissue is estrogen dominant, and then it's that fifty over fifty serum estradiol is needed to grow endometrial tissue or okay. any uterine tissue. Right. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know that's that's important. That's significant. Um, yeah. And then the causes are early menarche, late menopause, and shorter cycles. So under twenty-seven mm. day cycles. Oh, that's intense. You're being expo- exposed more often. Okay. Yeah. Um, stress actually worsens endometriosis. We know that. We do have studies on that. Also, endometrial tissue has receptors for glucocorticoids. 
Oh. Oh. Weird. Weird alien. So hypercort- like if you have stress, increased yep. cortisol. Yep. Or take, take glucocorticoid steroids. Yeah. Prednisone, co- you know, Four long-term like prednisone. IBD. Yep, yep, yep. That was my question. Yeah. So that's a problem. Wow. So basically, if you, have, if you have endometriosis, don't be stressed. Oh, yeah, because you're not stressed by <laughs> Don't but, worry yeah. about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, inflammation is number six here. So several autoimmune markers have been identified in early disease. Mm. Um, and we've got elevation of inflammatory cytokines, lymphocytes, prostaglandins. We also see decreased T-cell activity, NK cell cytotoxicity, which is ultimately helping the endometrial tissue plant in different areas. Because you have the immune system not taking care of it as foreign. So so sort of the same immune modulation imbalance that we see in like people with increased allergies and the whole TH1 and TH2. Some overlap to cancer too. Like how yeah. things I mean, for me, that actually does make sense. Like we know that 90% of women, I just learned that 90% of women have retrograde, retrograde menses yeah. and then it's viewed as foreign because yep. it's getting into the peritoneal cavity, yep. but the immune system's not there to turn it off. Well, in most cases it is. Yeah. For endo patients. It, it, it eats it up. Right. You know? right. So I wonder if, I wonder what the statistics are on the number of, of people who actually have endometrial tissue that just gets taken care of. You know, as it yeah, does, does anyone not have I mean, endometrial tissue? <laughs> you know, like here's what we know: ten percent of women right. have endometriosis. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so some interesting facts on this inflammation piece: they gave vitamin E and vitamin C um, to folks, and it reduced chronic pelvic pain in women with endometriosis. It okay. also decreased inflammatory markers, just antioxidants. Okay. Wow. So that's cool. I don't. You know what's interesting? When I think about my dysmenorrhea patients. I'm not thinking about vitamin C or vitamin E. Yeah. I might be missing something yeah. for those patients. So antioxidants to help the immune system, you know, potentially helpful. There's another study on antioxidant supplementation orally that reduced uh, endometriosis uh, pelvic pain. So, oh, so same, these were human studies. Oh, same antioxidants, like small, like 15 people studies? I don't know the size. Okay. Yeah. I don't know the size. Because you, when I'm thinking pretty about Pretty low risk, right? Yeah, I mean, totally low, except for financial and then the diarrhea. Yeah. Although blueberries... For vitamin C, you mean? Antioxidants. Yeah, antioxidants. Oh, antioxidants in general. Right. Yeah. And resveratrol, I think one of the animal studies yeah, might have yeah. been on that. So. Brilliant. Um, when I'm thinking about dysmenorrhea with yeah. my female patients, I'm thinking about ginger because mm-hmm. ginger has phenomenal studies for, for dysmenorrhea. Yep. So I'm wondering if that should be part of our endo protocol. Yeah. I feel like I'm building an endo protocol as we sit. We can talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Treatment strategies here. Uh, okay. So. We still. Treatment strategy. It makes sense to dive into treatment strategies. Well, let's talk a little bit about because I yeah. have a list of seven here too. I think, yeah, so let's we'll kind of get through that. And number seven is going to be the microbiome, and okay. that might be a whole other episode. Yeah, yeah. we talk about. Let's see here. what so, we get through. Okay, so first line treatment: combined hormonal contraceptives or progestin only hormones. So okay. IUD, sure, or some kind of Oral. OCPs. Yep, yep. So any of that. Well, the hormonal IUDs. Obviously. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And for like primary care providers or non gynecologists, we do this for three months. If no oh. improvement, you refer to hopefully an endoliterate gynecologist. Huh. Interesting. I did um, not to determine if, if they if need surgical intervention. That's the only treatment you have. You know, we yeah. as a naturopaths and naturopath adjacent. You know, yeah. we have a lot of options we can kind of build in here. But but you're saying that would be the next step because then they would consider surgical intervention. In this, in the Usually, standard well, no, because there there are other drug classes, okay. gonadotropin releasing hormone agonists like got Lupron. It. I was mm-hmm. wondering about that. God, that's brutal. Lupron yeah. is brutal, yep. but it's hypoestrogenic. Yeah, because it turns off all their hormones, yep. and then they go through menopause. <laughs> yep. But is it better than surgery? I don't know, because then what's the bone risk? Yeah, right. I mean, and, I and how long do you have to one. give yep. it? Yeah. 
We also have GNRH antagonists. So Oralisa is one that mm. what, I don't know I've what had that people is. People come in on. Um, it's so yeah. I knew you were going to ask that. So <laughs> it's a gonadotropin releasing hormone antagonist medication um, that is used often for fibroids, heavy menstrual bleeding, things mm. like that. So it's actually doing the opposite, huh. but helps with the especially the bleeding growth. Aspect. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder about someone who's maybe closer to menopause, where you're just sort of facilitating some yeah. of this and maybe if there isn't bone significant bone density effects i obviously don't know enough to prescribe either of those yeah drugs. i don't give them <laughs> yeah. i don't give them but yeah. uh people do give them out yeah. there so okay. i would refer for those so okay. we have a lot we can try besides those drugs yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. and these play nicely with birth control but one thing i really want to um do a pitch for is pelvic congestion moving the pelvis huh so um, we have studies on things like stationary biking, which Alana, huh. you also I, talk about for bowels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So exercise or any exercise yep. or biking. Yeah. You're so moving. getting things moving, especially if we're talking about like an immune mediated process mm-hmm. here, get things moving. How about orgasms? Sure, sure. I mean, like literally, if we're talking about pelvic congestion, yeah. like uh, orgasms is literally causing waves within the pelvis, within I'm the uterus. I'm not going to say no to that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, mean, I, just, I do think we should think about it therapeutically. Uh, yeah. Um, I, yeah. Why not? You know, I say yeah. go for it. Um, other things on this list of moving the pelvis, contrast sits baths. Oh, yeah. So simple. Cool Hot option. and cold. Yeah. And I will say Hot cold, cold immersion is having a moment with oh, me man. and yeah. lots of other people, but not you guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's a great. Yeah. yeah. Yep. My abdominal therapy, obviously, shout out for that. Pelvic floor PT and then Chinese herbs. Like like steams, like vaginal steams or just like herbs? both like can you are you going to talk about some of the oral botanicals totally okay yeah we can absolutely do that um so those are big ones um balancing excess estrogen to progesterone okay we have certain supplements we okay let's just let's talk about lifestyle stuff first one getting rid of all the plastics not warming stuff up into plastics not Mm -hmm. drinking out of plastic trying to keep things in uh, stainless steel remove the offenders right or uh glass or Silicon? What do we think about silicon? I think if it's, yeah, I think it's generally better than some of the other yeah. alternatives, like plastics. You know, yeah. um, I I can't say I'm fully versed on sort of like the baking sheets and such. Yeah, I yeah. I imagine it's better. I think it's better than it's the other alternatives. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So what other ways that should we think? Oh, making sure your organs of elimination are functioning, making yep, sure you're moving your bowels. Exercise. Yep. Extra sweating, urination, drinking yep. enough water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So estrogen leaves through the bowels, right? So liver function is going to be huge for the detox yep, pathways yep, yep. and then getting it out through the bowels. So fiber. And so, yeah. And I just, I've gone back to just food-based fibers just to kind of reduce the number of supplement things we're recommending yeah. for people. So just the stuff we've talked about. Yeah. I, chia, flax. Oat brand, oat brand, all of those things. So yeah, it's good stuff. Yep. Um, and then I also have on a treatment list for just basics, getting established with an endoliterate gynecologist. Is there a specialty in gynecology? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know people who advertise they have good training yeah. and they mm-hmm. do good work, but I don't. Like know. I know there's um, reproductive endocrinologists. Yep. But I wonder if there is like a... Yeah. I feel like the specialists our patients have sought out on their own are the ones who do the surgical procedure. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely specialists for that, I think. For you sure. Know? Yeah, for sure. And I think people who see this regularly right. you know, is really what I'm looking for. To give them and a good sense of if they think that's what's causing their symptoms or not because yeah. it mimics so many other things. And have other options besides OCPs. The yeah. meds. Yeah, the other medications yeah. you discussed. Um, okay, and then the last one on this list is address the microbiome. This may be a good place to take a break and sort of summarize what we talked about, and then we'll take a deeper dive into 
botanicals and microbiome interventions? Yeah. So in this next episode, I'll talk a lot about why we need to care about the microbiome studies on this that are coming out so rapidly. So cool. And then treatments that involve microbiome as well as herbal therapies that I usually give for endometriosis. Okay. So let me do a recap. Okay. So my, my recap out of this is one in 10 women are diagnosed with endo. They're primarily diagnosed between 25 and 35, which is peak reproductive years. There seems to be a subset of things that cause it, including genetics, including retro flow of menstrual blood, which happens to 90% of women, including toxins like uh, heavy metals, like maybe molds, but I don't think you said that. I think I made that up. I mean, why not? That probably should be on the list. Um, Xenoestrogen. Including immune, uh, immune deficiencies. And then there's, it's missed a lot because there's a lot of comorbidities. Yeah. And I think if someone already has an inflammatory condition, like... And it can present in so many different ways. Yep. It can present with primarily gut symptoms. It can prevent, it can present with um, changes in the cycle, pain yep. with the cycle. So it can be kind of GI or GU related symptoms totally. primarily, yep. which makes it harder to diagnose. And then um, we can get a day three estradiol level. If it's yep. above 50, that may help give us some uh, backing behind our theory that that's a piece of what's going and on strategy. and a transvaginal and transabdominal ultrasound. Yeah. So that would be kind of a, which is a starting show. point, either a complex chocolate or uh, don't tell me. Uh, <laughs> I know. I think. Oh man, hemorrhagic. Yes, what do you on me? Um, if our friendly radiologist doesn't point it out for us, and yep. we have to interpret it ourselves. Yep. All awesome. Right. Yeah. So, and and last thing I'll say here is it's people with uteruses of reproductive age. Okay. I also have seen it in folks who've had uteruses resected. They oh, that's still intense. have growing. Uh, they have extra lesions. uterine yep. endometrial tissue, which yep. I learned about that can actually start to grow once you put someone on HRT, apparently, yeah. if, if they have a history of endometriosis. Or they're still cycling. Yep. And there are women with endo who are asymptomatic, which is something that I learned. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Great. That was okay. great. I learned a lot, actually. Right. And we're not even done. We're not even. We're, we're barely getting started. We're barely started. getting started. <laughs> uh, thanks, guys. See you guys in two weeks. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. Stay tuned. We release episodes every two weeks. If you like this episode, please subscribe and don't forget to rate and review us to help spread the turd nerd word. Eee!